are. The the year-end cap of two guys in the cloud. So um, first, congratulations, Bob, on a inaugural year of this wonderful podcast. This has been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. Has it has been fun. In a year with a lot of bad things, uh, this has been really fun to do. So uh, I appreciate working with you, and it's been a fun year doing the podcast and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our year in review uh, and technology today and talk a little bit about maybe some of the positive changes that we've seen from this kind of disastrous year and ways we can uh, potentially make technology work for us better than it has in the past so i think uh, we're going to riff on that for a few minutes and hopefully it'll be entertaining Yes, sir. I think, okay, so first of all, it's your idea to do this, which I think is a really good one. You know, I think 2020 has been, there's enough fatigue, you know, around it. And I think sometimes you really do have to pause and look back and say, okay, you know what? Not everything's bad. There are things that come out of this scenario that will be good. And it's important to pull those forward and talk about them. So that'll be our rule today is to try not to get too too dark (laughs) in the conversation. That's stay good. focest on the lights. Stay, look at the light. That's right. And then we'll go from there. That's but right. I, I guess the other part of our podcast today is um, our third voice being our silent partner uh, and our producer, Blair Loveland. Um, so, Blair, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm well, glad to be part of the show. Usually, but then behind the scenes, you know, I feel like that uh, that's that uh, with the old school, like uh, the hello world, when you release a new program, I feel like I'm the new voice. And joining the show and people right. are so they're soaking it in right now as you speak that's right so it's all very good so yeah bob so think let's just your year in review i mean if you think about this incredibly important historic year and some of the things that have happened you know clearly there's the one thread the elephant in the room as blair has said before that is you know corona or covid 19 yep. um and that was the catalyst for so many things so how starting there you know kind of as you think about it where's the silver lining where's the light the light to me is how it forced america and the business world to be mobile right i think a lot of companies were doing it and maybe were doing it a little bit but covid pushed uh mobility to a different height in 2020 right? We had to work from home. We didn't have a choice. And, you know, companies were either ready for that or they weren't ready for it. Mm -hmm. And I think this really pushed the ability to be mobile and and be productive from anywhere, whether it's a Starbucks, whether it's at your home, whether it's on uh, the beach on a vacation, wherever you are, you can be as productive, hopefully, as you would be in a gigantic office working with uh, hundreds of the closest colleagues. And to me, the force and mobility is the biggest change we're going to have, right? Um, I I think about even um, our kids that have been doing homeschooling um, and being really forced to do that. if when I was a kid, if you missed school or got mono or did something like that, you might have lost a year of uh, your education and had to redo it. Now that's something you can do right from home. Um, I'll, I'll give a recent example. Um, a very famous um, ESPN uh, 
college football announcer yeah, got COVID yesterday or said he he tested positive. The playoffs start on Friday, and he usually calls that, right? Um, Kurt Herbstreit from ESPN. Mm-hmm. He can now do that um, and participate and do all that stuff from his home, just like he was announcing it from the stadium, right? And from a listener standpoint, you don't know the difference. And that's the kind of things I think will start to be a positive for us is that um, productivity can be anywhere now. And yeah. it, that's been a saying for a long time, but I think we really forced it into action this this year. Yeah. And we hear, you know, I, I think you've heard different variations of transformation is the, you know, the term right? Uh, accelerating over seven years, 10 years. I don't, you know, and, and by the way, I don't have no idea how people come up with those numbers, you know, like who yeah. is able to look in whatever model they have and say, we've affected transformation by 10 years. You know, I mean, who knows, but it, it clearly means that we have accelerated our world through technology in a meaningful way in terms of how we, how we are productive to your point. Um, you know, and I think, you know, so I, I have a couple thoughts as you were sort of going through that. Absolutely true for many types of businesses, but if you had a business that could not replace the notion of real in-person type interaction, there were limits to that transformational benefit. For so sure. like restaurants, for example, yep. Yep. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, maybe technology served them in a different way. And I think of things like my growing debt to Uber Eats, you know what I mean? Like, in, you know, like there's, <laughs> yep. there's that, you know, I mean, there are different mechanisms there, but so if we think about remote workers and the ability for our world to transform, there were different components that let that happen, you know, and I think that that's part of the conversation too, right? So it's, it wasn't magic that it happened. There were components in place that allowed for remote work productivity to exist in the way that it does today. So I think in terms of, you know, we are our theme here, the cloud, right? I don't think you have the remote work productivity that we've talked about without the cloud for a whole bunch of reasons, you know, like work group productivity solutions such as 365. The fact that, you know, there were these consolidated data centers such as the cloud to provide you know, the infrastructure in a financially accessible way for companies to pivot. You know, imagine that. Imagine if you were a company uh, 10 years ago and this happened and you had to create a remote environment for your workers, you needed a data center to do that. You know, you, yes, you and that would have costed tremendous amounts of money and investment to do that. You know, I mean, we are, we are, you know, the, the fortunate component here is that there was this massive investment in place so that our world could pivot the way it did as quickly as it did and still be productive. That that is a sort to me, that's a tremendous silver lining. This could have happened 10 years ago and we would have been in real trouble. You know, yeah, the fact the that it's been hit so much harder, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think well, that's I also a, think that that uh, goes in line too, not just you know, I feel like sometimes the the technology when you go to work whether it's a pizza shop or a thousand person call center or a big business, technology is often taken for granted. Whereas with, with, especially with COVID and having to move everyone to a really remote workforce on on a turn of a dime. I mean, it really takes the technology experts and the resources and really that uh, in tune logistical dance to be able to move an entire really infrastructure for being centralized to being decentralized with all these workers 
you know, in their in their homes, providing laptops or PCs and pushing out, um, you know, VPNs and virtual remote desktops that are secure. Or again, like I said, if that was 10 or 15 years ago, it probably really would not have happened. Certainly not to the, I almost want to say the degree of efficiency that it happened, you know, today, just because again of the cloud, and of the expertise and the skill sets that a lot of the technology folks have today. Yeah, and, no. and also the applications that we already had, right? So let's use T Microsoft Teams or Zoom as an example, right? Um, a lot of times we were using these as collaboration tools for conference calls, mm -hmm. you know, and now there's so much more. Um, now they're bringing people together and we're using video, we're sharing, we're getting the full impact of a Microsoft Teams, which used to be Skype or a Zoom or a WebEx, just name it, right? We had this technology available and it, we might've been leveraging just one component of it and now we can leverage the whole thing to truly collaborate like we should should have been all along. Mm -hmm. And it's really forced us through that. But it, if we uh, you know, didn't have these, if Microsoft didn't have Skype or Teams and had to try to rush development or something like that, I mean, we're, it would be terrible. Um, but we had these collaboration tools available to us that made this transition much easier than it could have been. Yeah, and then there was the investment that was poured in immediately after, you know, in the sense right. that, you know, like now we're having, you know, dozens of windows up in front of us so we can see dozens of our teammates as opposed to, yep. I think when this whole thing started, it was four or five, you know what I mean? Like just as an example, but, um, you know, what? and you mentioned this a minute ago, uh, and I think it's it's, the impact of this thing in a very productive way, I think, is going to be found and seen in years to come. But that's the children, right? You know, right. so uh, I don't know. I don't think I've spoken too much about this topic here, but my wife is a second grade teacher. And so I've been in this sort of journey, you know, on the sidelines watching her as she's, a, you know, her and these children have adapted to working remotely being student and in second grade you know so yeah. think about that you know that, that's amazing that age group. i mean just you know like quick story for the first time she asked me to to just sort of pop my head into the classroom you know not that long ago about two weeks ago it was very impromptu and thank thankfully i wasn't completely horribly looking at the moment you know I, mean? <laughs> but I you know like i popped my head in there and they asked me all these questions it was actually really cute like one kid asked me if I loved my Mrs. Barrett. Mr. Barrett's, do you love Mrs. Barrett's? <laughs> a lot of pressure for a kid. Yes, of course I did. But, you know, I mean, but it was, it was, well, first thing that caught me was that I'm looking at her and there's like, I'm looking at these screens and there's like 20 some kids and they're all moving at the same time. I mean, you know, they're second grade, they are all moving. And I got immediately nauseous looking at all these little kids bouncing all over the place. But, you know, it's it's fascinating to me. I've watched and listened to her talk about her interaction with them. And these kids have very quickly become incredibly sophisticated and savvy in this environment, in this remote, you know, digital environment where, again, second graders, you know, their starting point in terms of technology is so early. I mean, we've we've seen this with other generations in the past, but I think this is completely different. You know, this is them learning to socialize, yeah. to be productive at a very, very advanced way very early on in their lives. And it will be very interesting to see how this manifests in years to come. This generation is a very 
unique generation in terms of how they're going to change over time um, right. and then how our technology suits that. Right. So it's I think that, you know, I want to believe that'll be a silver lining in all this. It's it some will be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It will be. I mean, because they are learning to communicate with technology at uh, as babies. Yeah. Right. And and that's amazing. Um, that really is amazing that they can even um, I, I can't even imagine being two and sitting in front of a computer for hours. Right. I just I wouldn't I, I couldn't imagine that. And yeah. they even at a little part of that, they're able to do that and communicate and understand what's going on. It's it's just a, uh, amazing leaps forward from a technology standpoint that um, I don't think we were expecting. And I think it's good. I really think it's good for things like the educational system, which I'm sure has been a little bit stuck in the the old ages, and you know sometimes is pushed back on technology. This could really move that industry and other industries forward, um, maybe quicker than they thought. And being able to communicate this way, um, doing things like this, um, you know, remotely. Uh, I'm in Florida. You're in Chicago. Blair's in Florida, another part of Florida. Um, we're able to do this, you know, remotely and, and communicate. I think it's a great steps in the right direction. So. To me, that's probably the number. If I had to rate positive advances in technology this year, the the push towards mobility and uh, collaboration, uh, which we've been forced to do, I think has been a big success. Yeah, agreed. Well, imagine I've, just with the cloud technology, you know, around you know the, the virtual reality and the AI. I think it was uh, inspired uh, last year where they, you know, the virtual reality lenses. Imagine that being in applied to a classroom environment instead of a student looking at just a computer all day they put on the hollow for example a hololens and they're in a virtual reality classroom just like in a real classroom with all their sure you know that's kind of amazing to think about yeah i think uh, gosh i can't you know i i just know that that technology is at such a you know, it's infantile stage, you know, like, I mean, I, it's just so early even now, you know, and I know that today we look at some of these things in virtual reality and are blown away, but I just, there's so many use cases that are out there that have yet to be developed. I think it is, you know, to your point, Blair, it is an interesting thing, you know, like, so there's flavors of virtual reality. So for, if we think about hardcore virtual reality, many people jump to, you know, a product like Oculus, which is, you know, not Microsoft. Actually, I think Oculus is owned by Facebook. And it's a, you know, it's a, a complete immersive virtual reality experience that is very gaming in orientation. You know, that that's what you see if you, you know, go on the TV, you'll see that. But to your point, there's this other flavor of virtual reality, which is the Mi Microsoft flavor. And it's not completely virtual. It's it's sort of like um, I think they call it a, it's not assisted reality. It's it, it it's a it's a pivot off of complete virtual reality where if I have the goggles on, I'm I'm still able to see my surroundings, but there are virtual components embedded within the experience that me and others can participate in. Right. So it could be that there's you know, I'm looking at you and I'm looking at the screen, you know, or I'm looking at the wall and I see my background, but uh, an image, you know, like this mouse, I'm holding up a mouse for those that are listening, you know, it could be an artificial construct within what I'm watching. And then me and Bob could artificially begin to, you know, manipulate that that image if we want and talk through it and, you know, 
collaborate on the physical nature of it so that we can work together on something that is quasi-physical, even though we're, you know, hundreds, thousands of miles apart, you know, and I think that that's incredibly conducive to education down the, you know, down the road, right, I, I, to your point. And I think that that will be playing out fast to, you know, to this whole conversation in an accelerated rate that would have not, you know, would have been years before we got there, but maybe now it'll be much sooner, um, which is kind of, it'll blow, it'll blow our minds, I think, in terms of what's going to happen in that regard. So let me ask this, right? So beyond, you know, the individual, there's this amazing development, you know, if you think about the vaccine, right, it was right. able to be developed and proven, you know, or, or vetted, if we will, and now, you know, in distribution and actually being administered within a year. And that's, you know, rec not far, I mean, just way beyond anybody's expectations, I think, when this thing first started. One has to believe that we were able to do that because of technology advances that had occurred, you know, prior to that moment. And we were able to leverage those to get where we are today. So along the lines of thankfully we're not in this situation 10 years ago because we wouldn't have maybe had the computing power to deal with it. I imagine that, you know, as Pfizer and AstraZeneca and Moderna and they were all producing these things, they were using, you know, the computing power that we take for granted now right. you know, in the cloud, right? You think, I think, I imagine I would assume, I heard yeah. that story, you know, I mean, but I imagine I don't see how you could go through those sequences without that. It, it, yeah, that's the power of the cloud as well, right. with all the, the high-performance computing. And yeah, I remember way back in the day, too, that there was – I forget who it was, if it was <clears throat> IBM or somebody, but you know, they actually had a program where you know, if you weren't using your computer at night, you could you know, let them dial into it and use your compute power. But that's what it is today. I mean, the power of, of the Microsoft, all the data centers and that high-performance computing, and even, even and some of the – having access to those – you know, supercomputers like Cray and Big Blue to really do that that modeling with the speed and technology, the chip advances in memory today. I mean, I even think that maybe a a basic model that would have took you know a year, ten years ago, maybe takes a month today just because of the available compute that's out there with the cloud. I mean, we have to that has to be what it is. You you know what I wonder, and maybe this is far off and not correct, but I wonder if they. Um, worked with each other, these big pharmas, be, and shared results because it was too important not to, right? Yeah. And I, I'm just wondering if they collaborated, they use cloud, they use tools like we use. I'm just wondering if they did that, uh, and maybe not, and maybe it was no, too no. I, I think I think that's know, from a corporate situation, but um, that to me that would be very interesting as well. How they um, came together to to uh, to to get the vaccine out the door. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, I do believe that there was that level of collaboration. I, I I think I've heard that, you know, but okay. but I but I think that brings up, you know, again, the reality of us being able to collaborate the way we have you right. know, between distributed groups. And I think you're absolutely right about that. And, and also, competitors, of course, right. Yeah. And this would be a situation where it's competitors for a common good. Right. And, and that's a, that's a, that's amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. Bringing competitors together to uh, fix a, a huge need like this is uh, is amazing. It makes me think of security, you know, in the sense that, you know, I'm sure in collaborating between competitors, there had to be some, you know, boundaries established, some levels right. of security, you know what I mean? And yeah. I think, you know, there is clearly this direct correlation between 
you know, technology and as it accelerates in our dependency and how important security is and has become. And we've covered that, you know, here in this this podcast before. Um, and I, I have one again, one has to imagine that this year has created an accelerated value or sense of security, which, you know, I it's. It, you know, it's sort of like a negative positive, you know, I mean, it's it's a negative that we have to worry about security, but it is a positive that in this environment, it's accelerated awareness of security. And maybe what that's led to is greater attentiveness of it. You know, maybe right. there's greater adoption to security measures, um, you know, greater investment, you know, that that may be the case as well. Yeah, I mean, security, I think, to your point, has always been important. But when we get mobile and, um, you know, people hack into certain areas or do certain things, they're always going to be the bad guys out there. And being able to protect your data, protect um, your identities is always going to be so important. But I think you're right. Since we're all mobile now, I think it's got a greater focus because people now really can feel and touch it. Um, and it's uh, it's oh, it's really something that's going to always be important in technology there's no way around it whether you've got hosting a data center or you have uh, a big cloud presence security is always going to be such a important topic to to keep things secure in your environment and making sure you keep the bad guys out whether it's competitors or just somebody the ransomware i mean that to me is just that business model of ransomware and basically making your data hostage and companies that pay that it's to, it's it's amazing to me it's amazing yeah. to me yeah it's yes we will stay focused on the light i will not go into yeah that's right we were all, we <laughs> slipped into the dark there yeah no bit. it's so it's so easy but okay so here let staying focused on the light i've got a good one i've got a good okay, one um, good. you know it, it as you know, you know, you and I and, you know, Blair have had the, you know, we, we've had the privilege and, you know, it's been wonderful to work together for a number of years now. And um, we have all watched, you know, Bob, particularly you and I travel, you know, a yeah. lot in years past where we've, yeah. you know, been, I mean, gosh, I went through weeks of just being gone, you know, week after week after week after week. And that honestly has been the thread in my career for over 20 years, you know, a lot of travel. Yeah. Um, this year, of course, I haven't traveled. And I've been home, you know, all the time with my family. And that has been wonderful. You know, I mean, you know, it is, you know, it has been wonderful. And yep. I, you know, I miss travel clearly. You know, I, 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 I don't think I'm alone in saying that. I think that, you know, if you, if you like travel, it's hard to just sort of completely abandon it. So I, yep. I miss it, but it has been wonderful to be with my family over this year and still feel the, you know, productive and gainfully productive and employed and all the things that have come with, you know, the situation that we have in our, in our business. But, um, man, that's a silver lining for me, you know, yeah, for sure. to be with my family and to spend so much time and, and want to spend all the time that I have with them. Um, so that that's been good. I'll call that, I'll call that good. Yeah. And even like, um, the kids are home from school, right? Yeah. So they, they're not, most of them are not even going to school. I know some areas are open and doing, uh, regular classroom learning, but most are still remote. So, um, you know, we have, uh, the kids in the house almost 24 seven, right. Depending yeah. on the state you're in and, you know, it's, it's good to, to have that time. And it's really kind of, like you said, set, 
um, another level of the family um, together because it's really forced everyone to be together. Um, so that that you're right from a, a togetherness standpoint, <laughs> that is probably the top uh, of the list for sure. So that's yeah. it's it's been fun to to do that. You know, um, both both Ellie and I have freshmen in college, um, and this year has kind of been different for them. Um, my son went to to college and was doing a lot of things, even though he was there still remotely. Um, so he kind of feels like at least his first semester um, got gypped a little bit of the college experience overall. Uh, he's been home since Thanksgiving, but, um, you know, uh, it's great to have him home. But on the flip side, he would prefer uh, a regular college experience. And I, I hope that in the next six months he can come closer to that, even though, you know, maybe not yet. Maybe it'll take till next year or next uh, next fall term. But that's one area that has is, is been really interesting. You know, colleges, for example, I think need the revenue of people being on campus um, to stay afloat because that revenue is important to them, with, even though they may be mostly uh, remote. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think he got gypped. I, I'd be really interested to see what your son thought at, down in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. So um, my son is a freshman at University of Arizona down in Tucson, uh, and his experience was on campus for the semester. So the the way that, you know, went down at U of A was um, we got him out there, uh, which, you know, gave us one of the, you know, we, we were able to travel twice during this whole time. And that was, you know, the two times we went out to Tucson. And that gave us our first taste of what it was like to travel, you know, in this you know, very interesting year. Um, and, you know, one of the horrifying moments in that was going to the airport bar, ordering a Kim Crawford, a glass <laughs> of Kim Crawford. And I kid you not, it was like $30 for a six ounce pour. And I, that, that was when I realized my limit. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's too much money. I'm not going to spend on that, you know, and, and That's right. um, that was horrifying. But so we, we, we were able to get him down to uh, Tucson and his experience was, you know, I, I, you know, good. Yeah. I mean, it's like mixed bag, of course, you know, like, I think, you know, he was able to adjust in a way that, um, he was very productive. He had a very good semester. Um, I think he was, he benefited from not having the distractions of a typical first semester freshman. Uh, and, you know, cause yeah. they had to stay, you know, in their dorms and there were all these Blair, did we lose him or did you lose me? Um, he, I think we may have lost him there for a minute. Can you hear me? No, we yeah, can't. You, You're back. Yeah, yeah. You, you were frozen yeah. for about 20 seconds there. Okay. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, like he, um, you know, I think he was able to sort of get around, you know, some of those distractions and be productive. And so I think that was good. Um, good. He came home in Thanksgiving and that was the plan. You know, the way the school set it up was, come back for Thanksgiving, finish up your semester, the final two weeks from home, which he did. Right. Same here. And, yeah. um, you know, and he'll be back, he'll be going back the first week of January. So, yep. you know, I mean, I honestly, I do, I do chalk up one of the benefits being that he was able to focus and that was good. Um, but he is very, very, uh, you know, 
excited about getting to a more normal experience, just like yeah. your son. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure he will. You know, what's interesting from a travel standpoint, I got, I traveled once. I had a friend that got married in Phoenix. So we traveled out there uh, this fall and, um, you know, security lines are much shorter at the airport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Silver, lining. Silver, Silver lining. lining. You know what? I mean, also along those lines, you know, traffic, if you're driving at all, it's there much better. At least here in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Way better. Go. Way better. So, yes, good call. I yeah. like that. And, and we had like, um, it was three of us traveling in, the, in our party and uh, we had a whole row to ourselves because um, they had every other seating in the airplane. So it, there, there was some travel benefits yeah, um, and, and travel is very cheap right now. <laughs> yes, it is. I actually, I just, my, my daughter, just side note, my daughter flew to Tampa um, and she was in Tampa for, you know, a few days okay. and it cost us like 80, I kid you not like $80 to get her yeah. there and back. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, incredible. Yeah, it was, I think, under $200 a piece to fly from Orlando to Phoenix. Yeah. Um, so it, it it's just, you know, that that opportunity to travel and not have a million people uh, at an airport, you know, uh, having a mask on for four to seven hours or whatever, how long your trip is, is not the, the best thing in the yeah, world, um, but... But, you know, that uh, that was a, a really nice travel experience. Um, you know, it's you want to be safe, of course, when you do that. But uh, the the airport and the congestion and everything you do to try to catch a plane was a much positive scenario. And, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like 2020 is going to be our security line at the airport type of change that we're going through. Right. And that was a huge change for everybody after 9-11, but one we all understood. Um, Mm. You know, I think uh, there'll be changes, Um, you know, waiting in line to get your Chipotle and having, you know, a person one inch in front of you versus six feet. Hopefully we can make some of those changes as well, because I don't I don't like standing in line and and feeling like uh, I'm a sandwich. Uh, so hopefully we can, you know, keep the pacing, do some of those things that uh, made us smart, um, you know, whether we had whether the virus and pandemic is active or not. I think it's important that we, you know, kind of keep some of the social distancing and be smart about it uh, as we move forward as well. Yeah. You know, I actually long, you made me think about something. So it, what what you know, we'll talk when we talk about transformation, we talk about transforming transforming business. But what we don't get to frequently is how those industries sometimes in these moments are able to reinvest, innovate and and alter the outcome of their industry in very meaningful ways. Right. So the the clearest example I can think of is um, the auto industry after the real estate bubble burst. Right. So if you you kind of go through the, the points in time, you know, the real estate bubble bursts. And then there's this massive recession that follows. You'll remember that, you know, the the auto industry was at risk. You know, the entire supply chain was at risk. I mean, the auto industry was going to go bankrupt. And there was, you know, a massive infusion of funds from the government into the auto industry. And in effect, it did allow the auto industry to, you know, recalibrate and to restructure the kind of cars that were coming out of you know, that that ecosystem. So today we have, you know, that acceleration in terms of electronic cars. And, you know, like if you seriously, if you look at the the E-Mustang 
is probably an outcome of that reset. You know, if you, if right. you think about it like that, and there are many others, right? <clears throat> so, you know, I wonder this year, there have been industries that have collapsed or have come close to collapsing and there will be massive infusion in capital as this thing, as our economy normalizes again, because they were viable industries before. Yep. And, you know, in a normal economy, they will be viable industries again, and capital will come in. And it'll be interesting to see what that reset looks like. And I think about the restaurant industry in some ways, you know, in the sense that there are hundreds of thousands of restaurants that have gone out of business in this year. And the truth is that that demand for food is still going to be there, you know, and what's going to happen is next year, there will be you know, countless new restaurants that'll spring up. And it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, like what's going to be the reinvention of that, right? Yeah. Still be food, of course, but who knows what'll come out of it. And I wonder yeah. what else will, will spring from. How about movie theaters, right? It's a great call. Yeah. Right. Movie theaters. I think Warner Brothers said they're uh, putting all of their releases in the theaters and on HBO Max this yes. year, right? Um, and Christmas Day, they had a huge release of Wonder Woman. I saw um, it. And I, I did as well. And that was interesting. It was groundbreaking, really, to yeah. me. Um, and I was telling my family as we were watching it, this is kind of cool because this is a, a different change that we've ever seen. And it's going to force an industry that's been struggling to reinvent itself. I mean, do we really want, you know, $12 popcorns and $5 candies? Let's figure out a way to do that because there's a place for movie theaters here. Let's try to figure out what that is so yeah. we can bring people back to that and enjoy that because it's um, it's important to get out of the house and do those kind of things. But let's figure it out and let's innovate so we can save that industry. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I, and I, you know, I had the same reaction to the. You know, like I did the same thing. I went to HBO Max. I saw that, you know, it was this Wonder Woman 84, WW84 yeah. or whatever it is, and that it was available. I started playing and I was super excited about that. And then, of course, you know, I'm flashing back to the 80s, which was a trip. You know, I mean, just, <laughs> like, yeah, we really did wear that stuff. And yeah, That's we true. really did look like that. And that was it. So I thought they, that was actually kind of funny. I, I what do you think of the movie? I didn't love it. Uh, yeah. I thought it was kind of long. <laughs> it was long, and I, I, I wasn't really loving the storyline either. I thought it was a bit played, but um, you know, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, so just you know, a riff on that whole superhero movie line. First, I'll tell you, I think that the Marvel line is way better than the DC line. That's just my mm -hmm. opinion. Um, I, I will say that I did watch the Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition, and if you've got the patience for a three-hour movie it's way better way way like way way better than what was put out you know originally um but i thought this wonder woman you know was not great she's great i think she's a great one oh yeah woman. great you know, i mean i think yeah i think she does a great job um but i think you're right the storyline was kind of weird and not great but you know, no, I, 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 I'm not a, uh, I'm not too much of a Star Wars guy, but you know, I grew up in the '80s when Star Wars was huge, and and it was a, a big thrill on how many times you saw Star Wars originally. You know, yes. oh, we saw it seven times. Oh wow! Um, but I tell you what, The Mandalorian on Disney is fantastic. It yeah. is, it is unbelievably good, and I, I just imagine um, the people that are really into. This, Star Wars are just loving that because 
for the longest time we went with nothing, you know, years, tens of years of no, uh, you know, Star Wars stuff. And now they're getting Mandalorian, uh, basically mini movies every week. And just, yeah. it was just fantastic. It was so well done that it was just amazing to me. Um, yeah. and, and just seeing these things, what HBO does, um, you know, making movies, uh, Game of Thrones, where it was like an hour movie every week. It's just it's amazing to me where we've come with that technology and the availability of content. Yes. Um, is 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 ridiculous. We have Netflix. We have HBO Max. We have name your streaming service um, for almost unlimited content is just incredible. And yeah. again, that's something that helped us through the pandemic. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's twofold. I think, A, it was, you know, very fortunate that we were in a state where we could draw on that, you know, keep everybody a bit sane. Um, and then I I have to imagine that, you know, the investment in that space has just doubled, you know, because right. of the way it's proven out. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I would call, absolutely, I think that's silver lining. That's that's the light. That's part of the light. In that's all right. Yes. Convenience. Convenience yes. is the key. What about what else? I mean, what what else do we see? You think you know from a silver lining over the year? Yeah, you know, sports has been a bit of a downer. Um, so that to, to me, I, I'm glad that they got to play. Um, I think the NBA bubble was well. Um, you know, hat tip to the NFL for getting through a season. Um, you know, uh, baseball got the World Series in in a small season. Um, so, you know, on one hand, it was good to have that that normal sports back. On the other hand, it wasn't quite all there. Um, you know, the fan experience, I think, has been difficult because um, that is, you know, for guys like us that love our sports, it, it, it was kind of difficult to watch sometimes. Um, and I'm not sure the product was all there. But being able to see the games, I think, was really important. Um, and even though we were seeing them virtually or on TV or what have you on your phone, um, having sports back, even in in a small amount, uh, I think helped society, at least in America, for the sports fans because there's so many of them. Because for a lot of people, I think March 11th was when sports shut down. Um, a lot of people, the pandemic became real that day. Yeah, for a yeah. lot of people. Um, and having it come back and having some even small successes, I think, was a positive this year, um, seeing seeing um, people get out there and play. Um, you know, a, a side note, um, Blair and I live in Florida and golf, which was in a big decline, um, saw a humongous jump up uh, in sports because it was it's basically social distance. And yeah. golf course is never closed here. And you were able to go out and play golf. And, you know, as long as you were, uh, you know, six feet from your from the playing partner, uh, you know, people were taking four carts instead of two. But um, that's another positive thing that we've seen is people getting out and doing things um, that maybe were new to them or something they haven't done in a long time. So those are the kind of things positive wise from a sports standpoint that I think made an impact. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's fair. It's funny. It's a, you know, you always want to, I find myself in that story doing what you did, which was going first to the, 
it's too bad. You know, I miss it like this, blah, blah, blah. But you're yeah. right. It's it served a very important purpose, even in its abridged, you know, presentation. Right. It, right. it was it would still did. It was still, you know, I, I can tell you that I'm still watching the Bears, sadly. And it's, um, you know, they're they're they making a lifeline so, now. You they're remember you thought so they were mad. gone. They're, I'm so, so mad. You know, it's it's, you know, like it's like a tease. It's one big tease. And I, can, you know, here's the other thing. Like right now, I know we play Green Bay this weekend, and we have to win, or the Cardinals have to lose for us to get into the postseason. And I, man, I'm at this point with the Bears Packers experience. Just, you know, it's all dead to me because Aaron Rodgers has yeah. destroyed my faith, and. Yeah, I know, you know what's what's going to happen. I mean, in a worst, in a best case scenario, they beat the Packers and then they go into the playoffs only to lose, right? So you know, this is yeah. me ranting on the Bears. I'll be okay, but <laughs> but you know, it's even. But you're you're right. I mean, even even having that side that distraction, you know, is healthy and it's That's important. Right. You know, it is it, it gets me outside of normal everyday drama. You know, what I mean, so it's it is good. I need my artificial drama. It is. Well, I think we're here at the end of our time. So, um, you know, I'd like to wish all of our listeners a uh, happy new year, happy holidays. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of new fun guests and a lot of new fun things in uh, 2021 as we kick this bad year and it's backside out of here. And, uh, you know, want to thank everybody for uh, taking this journey with us. And it's going to be fun as we gallop into a new year. Well said, Mr. Agno. Thank so I, I look forward to 2021 as well and wish uh, you and Blair and all the folks out there a wonderful new year. And we'll see them on the other side. Definitely great. Happy New Year. All right.